Welcome back, gamers. Today is, unfortunately, the last episode of the month. We are taking a little break, only to come back stronger. With everything going on in the game scene, we thought it would be good to take a look at what viewers really want. Let's dive into some viewer statistics, casual, and the competitive scene. Hey, Shippy, thank you so much for that intro. Like Shippy said, we want to take a look at different games and different scenes. And I think one of the best metrics to actually look at that is the amount of viewers and followers on Twitch, mm -hmm. which has a very clear indication of how popular a game can be. It's actually part of the reason why so many uh, new games that are being launched heavily focus on investing in uh, paying streamers to play their brand new games so they get boosted and has a, a large audience to reach. So let's say we take a look at a brand new game that is very, very good and has been immensely popular, which is Elden Ring. Now, Elden Ring, the genre on Twitch, currently only has 300,000 followers. But if you take a look at the not viewers... That is, right, it's not a lot of followers. But if you no. take a look at the viewers, it's at the top of the leaderboards right now with over 300,000 viewers as of recording right now. I gotta say, that feels a little bit weird. 300,000 followers and 300,000 viewers, you said? That's correct. That would mean that everybody who follows is also watching. I guess it's not the same for the other games, right? Oh, it's very different. Well, so what's uh, the difference? What's the stats for the other games so I can make a good comparison? Right. Another popular game at the moment is Grand Theft Auto V. Mm -hmm. uh, it's being mostly played with RP right now, where people hop into different servers online and just have fun with other streamers and other players. Yeah. And it has less viewers at the moment, which is 200,000, although uh, it can be more at, at times. Yeah. It has 53.2 million followers. Whoa. So where all the followers of Elden Ring are watching right now, for Grand Theft Auto, it's only 1%. Correct. It's marginal. So it's difficult to make a direct comparison from that, but it can lead us to some interesting um, facts and conclusions. You know, of course, Elden Ring right now is the new and very hyped up game. You know, all the big streamers, Asmongold, Sakuno are playing it. So I think that's part of the reason why it has such large viewer count right now. I gotta say, I think we saw the same with Lost Ark a couple of weeks ago when Lost Ark got released. It also had around 300,000 uh, viewers, but it only has, as of recording, four, less than 40,000 viewers. So it also dropped off really quickly. Hmm. Do you think we'll see the same drop in Elden Ring as soon as you know people complete the game? Honestly, even though I think Elden Ring is a really good game, I think it's a limited game. Um, as you said, as soon as people complete it, then uh, I think there's going to be a drop-off. Um, mm. People are going to play it less. For example, one of the biggest streamers currently on YouTube is Ludwig. He completed the game in five days. I think XQC did the same on Twitch. Those are streamers with over tens of thousands of viewers. If they complete the game and switch to another one, the, the viewer count's already going to drop. And I think it's only going to keep dropping. Which I think is interesting with the other games at the top. Because... Those are games that aren't completable. That's a very good point. Yeah, there, we have some other big names uh, when it comes to viewer count. Um, and most of them are esports. That's what's getting the views right now. So we can take a look at Counter-Strike, for example, Valorant, Apex Legends. So if you look at Counter-Strike, 
they have 32 million followers, um, which is a lot. It's less than Grand Theft Auto V, yeah. but it's still a lot. And it has 225 viewers at the moment. And as 225,000? Oh, yeah, 225. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah. yeah. It's a lot. Yeah. Right. And there's actually a tournament going on right now. So 100,000 is the mainstream from the tournament, and about 40 to 50,000 is from a, a restreamer who's very popular in Southern America. Okay. Um, and you, you can make a very interesting comparison to that, uh, to Valorant. Which is sort of the offspring of Counter Strike. Yeah. Um, its follower base is actually less than half. It's twelve point three compared to thirty-two in Counter Strike. Uh, million, twelve point three million, I should say. Yeah, yeah. But its viewer count is actually pretty close, with one hundred eighty-six thousand viewers. And there's also a tournament going on right now. So already we can take a very close look here at. How many of the players and watchers are interested in a professional scene? Yes, exactly. I think I think there's a lot of interest in esports, and uh, as you mentioned, Counter Strike and Valorant, Apex also has a tournament going on right now. Apex Legends, it's the uh, ALGS tournament, uh, which is like the pro league of of, of Apex Legends, and they have 150,000 viewers right now. The, the difference between Apex and, and Counter-Strike and Valorant is not only that they have less viewers, it's also another thing. I feel like, and maybe this is just me, uh, but I feel like Apex Legends has a lot less esports attention. And I think that's really interesting because you started this episode with games are investing in, in viewers so they can get more players in the end, get more attention, get more players, that sort of thing. Absolutely, sponsored sponsored streams for new games uh, is a huge market. Exactly, exactly. For new games, it's a huge market, and I I totally get that. It's it's a very smart move. But what about games that already exist? What about matching your esports branch to your casual base? Because you want those casuals, those players that just play a couple of hours after work, or those, those players that only play on the weekends. You want them invested in your esports scene, I would say. You would think so, yeah. And there, there's, if you look at the numbers, there's clearly a disconnect because Apex Legends has 15.5 million followers on Twitch, uh, which is more than Valorant actually, but it has way less viewers if there's a tournament going on. If you take a look at the official Play Apex Twitch account, which is streaming the tournament right now, it's only hovering around 11,000 viewers. And try to compare that with CSGO, that's almost at 100,000. That, that's 11, 12% of what, what, uh, what the big game has, what Counter-Strike has. Right. And, and this is just an anecdote from this one evening that we're watching. And it just so happens that all these games are running tournaments at the moment. But this is not the first time Sheepy and I have been noticing this. Exactly. And I think it's really interesting because we both played uh, Counter-Strike as well as Apex. And we also see some differences there in how we feel about the games. I, I think I can speak for both of us. If we say when we played Counter-Strike, we felt like there's a, there's a matchmaking system, there's a casual system that you can rank up through, get at a certain point and feel like you're good enough to go to a higher level, which is in Counter-Strike, face it, 
and ESL, and you could even get to uh, the professional scene by taking those steps. In Apex, it's in Apex, it's a little different. In Apex, you feel, at least I feel, you have to speak for yourself here for me to, but at <laughs> least I feel like there's a pub scene, which is regulars, then there's a ranked, and you can get through ranked. And even if you're the highest rank, even if you're the number one predator, which is the highest rank in Apex, you're not playing the same game as esports. So I feel there's a there's a big disconnect, and to to tell you from uh, to talk to the people who are not playing Apex on the regular, um, the, the big difference is the system is completely different. The, the the game you're playing is so much different than the game you're watching if you're watching the competitive scene. And I think that's that's really, I think that's really weird from not only from a viewer perspective. Uh, but also from a creator perspective and also from a developer perspective. Why would you make two so separately games, which makes it so hard for the viewer to follow both scenes, the casual scene and the competitive scene? Right. Uh, on the one hand, I think it's a really nice thing that games can still be uh, you know, just fun and casual to play. I think that's absolutely fantastic for a healthy player base. If you take a look at League of Legends, for example, even if you drop into the lowest rank, people are going to be toxic uh, because they want to win so bad. There's so much focus on getting to a higher level, ranking up, and you know, having a player base that sort of takes it easy. It's not too bad. Of course, casuals are really important for your game. Casuals are basically carrying your game. If you don't have any casual players, the game is going to be pretty much dead. Uh, but also, esports is really important in, in case of uh, viewers, sponsorships, uh, boosting the game, making it known to other people, getting more players involved, that sort of thing. So just as any week, um, and also in our last episode for this month, we got a question from a viewer, um, and the viewer asked us, would you like to play esports professionally? And I think that's a good question, and since I bounced both questions from last couple of weeks to you, start with this one um i am currently trying to get into the professional epic scene uh through the challenger circuit trying to see what it's like so i would like to play professional esports um i think it's really fun i think that the competitive side is it's really interesting i don't know if i like it once i actually get it uh i mean it's really hard to say but for now i would say i, I would really like to try um there's, of course, a lot of upsides and a lot of downsides, but uh, the normal downsides are you have to like 100% focus on, on the game, 100% focus on the esports scenes, 100% um, focus on getting better at the competitive uh, ingredient, and, which is also going to result in you're not being able to spend as much time on other stuff, like studying, uh, working, whatever it is. Um, and there's only a really small, small, small percentage that makes it to the top tier, um, but I would like to try, definitely. How about you? Yeah, I agree with this sentiment that there's a lot of all or nothing approach when it comes to going pro in, in esports or just regular sports as well. Um, and I feel like because so many gamers start out with their gaming at a young age, uh, this can lead to sort of friction within a family, uh, you know, sometimes a bit of a game addiction or very 
um, a lot of disapproval from parents, for example. Um, uh, you know, I remember clearly, like my parents had a lot of issue with me playing the amount of hours uh, with video games that I did. So I feel like growing professional would be just scoffed at and not accepted, which is funny um, because uh, I remember a couple of years ago, my sister actually sent an article about a um, Fortnite player in the family WhatsApp group. I said, wow, Famita, uh, <laughs> why didn't you go pro playing video games? You're playing all the time anyway, you know? I was like, because you beep. Yeah, yeah. You wanted me to follow a normal career path and study and focus on my education. Um, so it, 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 it's pretty ironic, I'd say. I think it's a very profitable and fulfilling career uh, in the end if you go pro. But uh, I, I don't mind the path that I, I, I took here. I'm still very interested in esports. And I feel like my skill set now, sort of my uh, career path as a uh, engineer, um, it allows for different opportunities, you know, instead yeah. of, uh, if you compare it to traditional sports, and instead of being the guy that kicks the ball, you can be the guy that sells the shoes that kick the ball, you know, um, because at the, at the end of the, the day, playing the game isn't what makes you money. It's the sponsorships, it's the deals. It's the whole scene around it. And I think even if you don't play the game itself, you can still take part of the esport that you love. Yeah. Yeah, I 100% agree. And I think it's really interesting what you just said. You said it's about the sponsorships. It's about playing the game. It's not as much as about esports. And the first thing that popped to mind are two streamers. It's, uh, it's Timmy, who plays a lot of Valorant and a lot of Apex Legend, who's not active in the comp scene at all, but makes... A beep ton of money. <laughs> we're beeping now. <laughs> we're beeping now. Who makes uh, who makes a lot of money playing yeah. uh, casual Apex Legends, casual Valorant, um, and casual. I mean, in the pro scene for a bit, but yeah, it was very short lived. It was very short lived. So you could see there that it is maybe not even feasible to play to play pro. Not only is it not something viewers are. 100% into, but also it's maybe not even feasible for the streamers. Right. Yeah. I think at his level, it's not as much about feasibility, but more just he can make so much more just streaming. Yeah. So do you want to put 48 hours a week into screaming, learning opposites, uh, learning enemy tactics, learning right. how to play the best you can play if you just... If the only thing you have to do is hit that start streaming button and just stomp on some kids in in public matches. <laughs> so I think this is a really nice time to focus on sort of the history of esports because we're all sort of familiar with it now. We can just hop online on Twitch or on YouTube and watch other people play video games for a living. But how did this start off? It turns out the earliest known video game competition took place back in 1972 at the Stanford University for the game Space War. I had no idea that <laughs> no, me neither. Game competitions were that old. I felt like it was at least something of this century. A lot of these games were mostly focused on getting a high score to determine who the best player was. But this changed a lot with Street Fighter, 
where players were able to directly face-to-face -face play each other and challenge each other to determine who was the best player. It's kind of like an arcade. Exactly, and I think both are still in play if you look at high scores and you look at face-to-face. Face-to-face is more like the esports, and high scores, I would say, speedrunning right now. Oh, that's a really good point. Yeah, speedrunning is becoming immensely popular. I think that's that's sort of the high score competitive side of of games. It's it's a less it's a lot less serious than pro uh, Counter Strike or pro Valorant tourney, but it's very fun to watch. So that's a little bit of the history of esports. If we look at the future of esports and where esports is going, an interesting thing in that regard is a lot of people say esports might eventually be an Olympic sport, an Olympic game. You know. Uh, just like the 100-meter sprint or swimming or whatever. What's interesting is that the International Olympic Committee talked about this in 2017, which is five years ago by now. They acknowledged the growing popularity of esports, and they said that competitive esports could be considered as a sporting activity um, in which it could be somewhat of an Olympic sport maybe in the future. The president of the International Olympic Committee thought different about that, Thomas Bach. He noted that the violence in the games might be a little bit too much. He said that traditional sports came from violence, but that killing people in a video game might not set the right example and be in line with the Olympic values. So the Olympic Games would first look at NBA 2K or the FIFA series, for example, instead of Valorant, League of Legends, Counter-Strike, you know, the popular games. Which I honestly think is a very conservative look on it. I think more progressive would be if you said that in the future esports could be an Olympic sport. Not only because in different countries all over the world, esports have become bigger than actual sports. And you see that phenomenon expanding to Europe and the United States, for example. I think esports are going to be the future. And I'm not saying sports are going to disappear. I'm just saying they're going to live side by side. And I don't understand why the president, Thomas Bach, is so conservative about this. Um, I think a lot of people can handle uh, people dying in a video game. It's only characters. It's only game, as people say. And especially with the new generation, I think this is not going to be an issue. I think it's just going to take some time. Right, absolutely. I think, if anything, this is just a very hypocritical take because one Olympic sport is target shooting. Um, and I think if you can shoot with a real gun at targets, why not shoot with a fake gun at you know a virtual character? If nobody's getting hurt, then what's the big deal? Especially if you take a look at other sports because paintball is a sport where they're shooting fake guns. Um, and you definitely can get hurt there. For sure, yeah. <laughs> American football, the injury percentage is pretty much 800%. Um, basketball can even be violent if you see how some players uh, go at it. And, you know, then we're not even talking about fighting sports yet. With, with the WWE or UFC uh, championships, uh, fighting sports are immensely popular right now, especially with MMA. So I don't see how that is a good reason to not accept esports. 
what I will say though is that maybe like physical movement could be a barrier to sort of overcome uh, in order to legitimize esports because you can say, oh, they're just sitting on a chair, you know, it's not that much effort. I completely disagree, but fine. Uh-huh. Um, so maybe VR could take a place there. Yeah, I think we talked in a previous episode about VR as well and, and how you could, in the future, maybe, if we look at metaphors and VR, create a virtual arena where you can actually be active and, and be part of the sport, be part of the esport. Um, it could be it could be a huge game changer for for esports and then maybe also for the for the view of the rest of the world on competitive gaming. Absolutely. I mean, if anything, history of gaming has shown that we cannot rely on sort of traditional uh, paths like traditional media with TV and radio. Esports would have never gotten through because guys like uh, the president of the International Olympic Committee are the same kind of guys that are in charge of TV and radio. It's really mostly thanks due to internet live streaming that we can enjoy the games uh, that we're watching today. And with that being said, I'd like to thank you guys for listening to the last episode of this month. If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's at DuoQCast. Q is in the letter Q. Don't spell it out. I'll leave it in the description down below for you to click. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. See you next time.